podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to part two of Post-Match Raw. Thank you, Craig. I hate you. Um, yeah, so this is part two. If you have listened to part one, I, I did the little editorial thing beforehand saying how uh, Discord failed us, or, or the recording software failed us. So we've gone to the sanctity of, of Skype and we're going to record part two. But I'm back with the original guest, Dave. How are you doing the morning after? I'm good. I'm good. I like that, as Carol mentioned before we started recording, Jürgen made a, a half-time substitution because things weren't just quite going right. And we ourselves have made a half-time substitution. Downey, sit yourself down, son. You've had a good run. Drinkle, running the show in the League Cup post-match rolls and the FA Cup post-match rolls, stepping into the breach to uh, raise the level. I am playing the role of Bobby Firmino, so just I don't know how he played last night. He was a bit bad and then scored a goal. That's how I thought he did, but we'll get into that. And Carl, how are you doing? Yes, I'm all right. Morning after a decent win in Europe is always a, a positive thing and um, plenty of reflection since then as well, which I think only served to underline the fact that we were a lot better than them. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't have the usual length of podcast, so we'll try and get through this not as quick as possible. We'll try and get through the key stuff. Uh, Dave, you mentioned the halftime sub there. Obviously, Jota came off. We didn't realise at the time it was for injury. I haven't seen any updates uh, on his swollen ankle, I think it was, or ankle ligaments. But Bobby obviously came on for Jota at halftime. It didn't seem to change much, though, because Inter seemingly had the best until our next set of subs. Yeah, I mean, some of the, uh, the Liverpool detectives on social media have gone back and forensically an analysed the game and they think it happened in about the 12th minute where he rolled his ankle. So that might be what the issue was with Jota, which would explain maybe a bit of his performance in that first half. But Intersec definitely came out in the second half with a completely renewed vigour. They were more aggressive. They were moving the ball a bit quicker, switching play a lot more and being very aggressive in attacking down their left-hand side. And they undoubtedly were the better team for the first 15 minutes of the second half. But as I said to you last night, I never felt like they were going to score. Like, the closest they came was that whipped cross by Perisic that Martinez didn't get on the end of. Aside from that, I thought we were quite comfortable in terms of our defensive work. Thiago made a really good interception. Canate was obviously playing really, really well. Virgil looked like prime Virgil again and I just felt like we were comfortable I, I didn't feel like there was ever a moment where we were really clinging on they had no shots on target I mean that's the be all and end all of it they never had a shot on target the only shot they got that almost scored and created a goal 
was the the Chalinoglu one in the first half. So this idea that we were outplayed or lucky or torn apart or all these other nonsense things that have been said, it's just not fitting with the reality of what happened. Yeah, and Carl, for me, I mean, I, I agree with what Dave said there. I think even Perisic was probably the only one who was an outball for them or an outlet for them. I mean, Zeko, well, we saw him get chased down by Van Dijk. Uh, Martinez bottled out of a, a, a 1v1 situation with Van Dijk as well. But it really was just, I think it was just Perisic for them 15 minutes as the real threat, but not really much with him. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned last night, and I can't honestly remember if it was first half or second half, so that sentence may no longer exist. But basically, a lot of their chances and their almost chances came when they were just with like one or two players in the attack. It was very rarely with sustained pressure. It was very rarely with anything in terms of you know great numbers in the box, unless it was a corner or something like that. And you know, like Dave was just saying, they they didn't register a shot on target. But not only that, they didn't match us. Never went beat us. They didn't match us in any major. Um, attacking metric through, throughout the game at all, not for uh, pass success rate, not for final third entries, not for possession, not for shots, certainly not shots on target. Corners, that's all they managed to be the same as us in, seven apiece in the game. Uh, it doesn't really speak volumes as to one team being fortunate to win 2-0 when they beat the other team and doing all the things which you have to do to score the goals. Um, I was a bit surprised at the lack of impact from uh, Denzel Dumfries, I don't think they really got him into the right positions too often. And like you say, it was heavily skewed over to the left-hand side for a lot of it. And maybe that was a ploy on their part uh, purposely, obviously with Elliot partnered on that side with, with Trent. Um, but basically, Kanate was pretty monstrous. And Van Dijk, like, we, like uh, Davis just alluded to, was very much near prime Van Dijk. I think that was a, a very, very good defensive display when it was called upon. And once their big push at the start of the second half didn't work, didn't really get them any rewards, they kind of just ran out of ideas and even motivation, really. Yeah, and to stick with you, Carl, I mean, they kind of made the big push in them 15 minutes. But does it show the quality of squad when we're bringing on Lewis Diaz, Jordan Henderson and Naby Keita in a triple sub? And who did they bring on? Alexis Sanchez, Damian, I think you mentioned last night on the pod that never happened. You didn't know Ranocchio was still a player. <laughs> uh, and and so on. Uh, it, it just shows the difference between ourselves and Inter Milan and possibly the whole of Syria. Yeah, I mean, look, we have to acknowledge first and foremost that this is a massively unusual situation for Liverpool to find themselves in with everybody fit and not actually, you know, scrambling to fill one area True. of the team because everybody is out in that same position. So that's a new thing. And, you know, I like it. Uh, I hope that carries on. But you're absolutely right. Haven't made the, the January purchase of Diaz. That's immediately a big, big difference between, you know, with all respect for what he's already done and everything at the club, bringing on Origi and bringing on someone like that, who is no, not even near his prime yet and just cost up to 50 million quid. It's a big jump. It is a real difference-making, game-impacting potential starter that we've brought in here. And when you're bringing on two or three players at the same time who are starters, basically, that is going to make a difference to the team. And yes, you're right, we did discuss it briefly, um, but Inter don't really have that depth of options in terms of starting caliber players being on the bench. You know, we could feasibly start with Henderson any given game, given he's the captain, and the same for Keita, and the same for Diaz, and the same for Firmino. And probably you wouldn't say the same Darmian being there 
you know, first wing back to come on. Robin Gorson's coming in the, in January window. He's still out injured. That would be one, I would say, which gets them a little bit closer to having options on the bench, which could be a, a starter. Um, and Joaquin Correa is another one who is out injured and he's a forward, but he's probably not going to play ahead of Lautaro anyway. So that is one that you would say is a game-changing sub for them. They were missing. Other than that, I don't see too many because Alexis is definitely not at that level now. Yeah, absolutely. We, we all remember the Man United days and, and whatnot. But Dave, to come to you on, on, on the triple subs, obviously Luis Diaz coming on for Mane, who had a bit of a quiet half. Uh, Elliot, quiet, considering the usual excitement Elliot brings to a game. Obviously, Kater coming on, who played well the other day. Um, but probably not the contentious one, but what I'm pretty much sure everyone would have agreed at the time. Why is Henderson coming on for Fabinho, probably rather than Thiago, I'd say, in that situation? But, I mean, Fabinho, I think you both said, and this actually was recorded, that Fabinho was probably our best player in the first half. Mm. And you're obviously Henderson's best mate. <laughs> what was your reaction when he came on? Yeah, my assumption when, when I saw him and Naby standing up to come on was that it would be Harvey and Thiago that mm. would come off. Henderson would go right side, Naby left side, and obviously Fab staying in the middle. So it was a bit surprising that Fabinho was the one to come off because he had been playing really, really well. But the substitution worked. I mean, that's that's the be-all and the end-all of it. The, the, the triple sub worked. And it was really good for us yesterday because you saw the starting eleven. you could get excited about the eleven, And then you could look at the bench and every single possible thing that could pop up in the game, you felt like we had a solution for on the bench, like we had quality options to go basically everywhere. The only one maybe would have been if Trent had gotten hurt. There wasn't a, a natural fit there, but Joe Gomez could slide in there and would be okay. But, you know, when the three boys came on, it really did change the game. The, the, the collective of the three of them, and Bobby, who'd had a slow enough start, really started to come into the game at mm -hmm. this point as well, because we started to gain back a little bit of control. They'd had that 15-minute spell. They probably had another three, four minutes where they were the better team after the change. But then we just took control of the game, started to slow things down in possession. Henderson was very careful with his passing. Naby was careful with his passing. Henderson and Thiago were getting locked in defensively. Naby was starting to link the midfield and the attack and finding little pockets of space to move into. And then Diaz, just that perpetual motion and that willingness to always make runs kind of forced their defence to be a little less aggressive in what they were doing because prior to that, we'd been seeing Bastone charge forward into the attack multiple times. And now he wasn't able to because they had to shift the defence back across. I I I did I I did think the three subs all worked really really well. I thought it was uh, the the five substitution substitution rule really does favour clubs like us who have that good mm -hmm. depth now and can bring on you know three players at once. Whereas you look at Inter, like Carl said, and there's not really any game changes there. I also thought Inzaghi waited far too long to let to make his main substitutions like he brought on Alexis and then there was a big gap before he brought on anyone else and by the time he brought them on the game was as close to over as it was going to be we had fresh legs new impetus a couple of lads looking to prove a point and 
you have to factor in that's an old Inter team. Like Vidal is 34, Jekyll's 35, 36, Perisic is in his 30s, De Vries is, is 30, and he'd been on with the the weird double vision thing for 70 minutes by the time yeah, the game ended or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it was bizarre. So, like, you kind of felt like they ran out of steam as we kind of kicked on to another level. We brought and it Milner was like that on the before first. they did their second set of subs. <laughs> yeah, that that's exactly it. We had five subs on. I think they only had one on. So, you do really have to question why Inzaghi left it that late. Um, especially when it was very clear that like 10 minutes after we'd made the triple sub, we had gained the momentum and the control in the game. That was the time for him to react. We were one up. And that was sort of when he should have been making his his changes, but he waited far too long. But look, credit to the three boys that came on. Naby was very, very good at linking the midfield and the attack. He also did his defensive work. Henderson was very good at recycling the ball keeping things moving, injecting energy when we needed it. And like I said, Diaz, just those threatening runs, getting himself in good positions. All three of them worked really well, and it's it's the collective of the three that changed the game for us. Yeah, no, I'll stick with you, Dave, for the first goal. I mean, you mentioned Diaz bringing energy there. I think he, he basically wins the corner. I think he's running from the left and drives into the box. It ends up at Trent's feet and Diaz continues his run and wins us a corner off a, I think it, it might have been Skrinja or Debris, who blocks a shot from him, gets us a corner. Uh, I think it, it is Robbo who takes the uh, in-swinging corner. I think you mentioned uh, that was a noted weakness of Inter or something last night. Um, and obviously Firmino with a lovely header. Yeah, so um, Klopp said that Peter Grewitz, uh said or, or during the kind of the pre-match analysis and that him and the analyst team identified that as something a, a front post run on an in-swinging corner was an area of potential weakness for Inter, and it worked a treat. Before that, all our corners had been outswingers, and we made that change. Robbo came across. And it worked. It worked absolutely brilliantly. It's it's a great run by Bobby. It's a brilliant flick, and it's right into the corner. And it was brilliant because as the as the camera watched it, it was right down the pipe, so you could see it the whole way in. But as you said, it was Diaz's movement that really made the opportunity. Coming from the left wing, ended up as an inside right, and getting a shot away it was a good block by the defender. But we capitalised on the corner. And we're such a threat on on set pieces and, and especially corners this season that, you know, it is a big source of goals for us. Carl, your thoughts on the first goal? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it came just after we'd started to take back control. Like I said, the, the subs did definitely alter the flow of the game and we had had a couple of near moments as well. Um, but I think it was just the, the tempo of the game at that point. I mean, you're dead right about the Milner substitution coming before... Uh, their first or their sorry their second group of subs but even even before Milner came on before the goal I mean we, we've made four subs we've changed almost half our outfield team and they've just brought on Alexis Sanchez who is an aging forward the, the energy levels had considerably dropped like I said it wasn't just the not just the the lack of ideas that they had in the final third but actually the lack of ability to get the ball there and move it at tempo and move themselves up in unison as well it had disappeared by that point uh, I think our, our substitutions 
since the restart, since the international break, have been really good, much, much earlier than we used to see in them. And they've paid off. And that continued again at the San Siro, obviously, and the, the actual header itself. Brilliant. Really, really good. Great to see Bobby get back on the score sheet in a big game. He loves obviously playing away from Anfield. Seems to be his thing. And uh, I, think it, I think last night I said it was about 165 minutes per goal that he's scoring this season. So still keeping himself right up there among uh, some of the supposed great goal scorers in the Premier League this season. But he's not one, obviously. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you have to you have to beat his reputation for that. Um, but Carl, I'll stick with you for the second goal. I think it's a wide free kick, uh, which Robbo takes, and then it ends up back pretty much where the free kick was taken at Trent's feet. Left footed ball in, uh, Van Dyke knocked down. I, I was kind of hoping Canate would have smashed it in, but it's uh, it's a deflected finish from from Moore, and almost feel like he needed that goal post Afcon because he did look at not rust rusty's probably the wrong word, but. Knackered is the right word. Yes, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dave mentioned that last night when we went through this goal at the time that, you know, he might not have been absolutely sparkling since coming back, but he had, we can't remember that, as well as the crushing disappointment of losing a major final on penalties, he had just played four matches that went to extra mm-hmm. time consecutively. That's not an easy thing to recover from, plus the flights and all that kind of stuff. So it's a very demanding role that he has, and he naturally attracts a lot of defensive attention. Um, so I'm not too concerned in terms of you know being a little bit lower than he was. And like we said, Elliot didn't play quite as well as he can do. And again, he's the player behind Salah. He's the player feeding and combining with Salah the most. So that does have a, a knock-on effect as well. Trent too, um, as well, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely right. So that entire right side, you know, if it's not at its best, I don't think you can just expect Salah to be by himself at his best as well. Um, but a, a good turn and hit. You saw him on some of the angles of the replays quite clearly shouting at Canate to do not touch my ball as he was definitely going to belt that one. And I think we probably maybe not deserve the fortune that we got with it. But, you know, you've got to hit the shots, you've got to hit the target. And they didn't do that all game long. So from that perspective, yeah, we, we got a bit of luck, but you have to make it as well. And it was a decent delivery back in. There hadn't been, I don't think, too many really good deliveries since the early part of the game. And certainly not from that kind of deeper area. And Van Dijk won pretty much everything in the air yesterday. And uh, that was a, a very, very good one at the end, at the opposite end of the pitch to win. Yeah, before we go, Dave, I'm sure you want to talk about the centre-back partnership. Because, I mean, the goal's the goal. But Canate and Van Dijk was the story for me. Them, them two were just imperious. They were. They were absolutely sensational together. Ibu had some great aerial wins. Physically, he dealt well with... Jekko, pace-wise, he had no problems with with Martinez. He made a couple of good interceptions, uh, chasing back the one in the first half on the Dumfries cross, where Jekko was in if he didn't get back. Um, I just thought he, I thought he was outstanding because obviously Joel has been playing there the majority of the season, but Ibu has been dropped in there for big games and big away games as well. So it's interesting to see Klopp use him that way. I'd really like to see him and Virgil get a run together. I, I think that's a partnership that has just incredible potential. Absolutely incredible potential because there's no flaw between the two of them. Um, you know, they're, they're both big, strong, physical, dominant, quick, both good on the ball. The tackle Ibu made on the halfway line in the opposition half yesterday to win the ball back so we could keep pressure on them as well was really important. And, you know, and he Jones was fouled th- after it. That's exactly it. Won the free kick and, and you know and kept us in a good position. 
Um, Joel did obviously have his moment in the game. Um, you know, <laughs> celebrations of the first goal. He comes over, he slaps Jordan Henderson on the head. Uh, Henderson turns around. <laughs> Does I, 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 my guess is Henderson had no idea whether he'd been hit with something, whether it was a pitch invader or what it was. But he turned around with this kind of shocked look on his face, like, who's after hitting me? And someone's after putting out a great clip from the Champions League celebrations in 2019 where the team are celebrating with the trophy, getting ready for, like, a, a picture. And Joel starts slapping Fabinho on the head and Fab turns around in the same type of way. So Joel is obviously just working his way through slapping the heads of everybody in the squad. But yeah, the, the the partnership that started was just, I thought they were brilliant. I genuinely thought they were brilliant. Virgil was given the man of the match and I don't think anyone could could question that. And I think Ibu was a very close second. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, any plugs from you, Dave, before we go to Carl for final thoughts? Two-footed pod every day at 4pm, Daily Red every day at lunchtime and there'll be scouteds and whatever else to come. Final thoughts, Carl, and plugs? Uh, the two stats that I picked out last night were about uh, the usual cliches of people saying that uh, European matches are a completely different type of game to domestic matches. So I picked out uh, the Inter Milan player with the most completed dribbles in the match, which was centre-back Milan Skriniar, and the Liverpool player with the most tackles won during the game, which was 45-minute centre-forward Roberto Firmino. Uh, plugs for this week, I will be unscouted for Norwich. We will be, I presume, unscouted for the midweek game as well next week. And there is some written stuff for European football and all the Premier League teams' opponents for next week's Champions League games. So that's on the Independent. Perfect. Thank you both for, well, rejoining us <laughs> um, for the second part or the second half of the Champions League tie. I am solely blaming Craig and these two trying to give me points on the lateness score for Scouted can get in the bin. Um... So yeah, that is it. Thank you everyone for listening to this half. If you've not listened to the first half, it I'll just link this as part two. So do check out part one. It'll be all over Anfield Index's feed. Check out your podcast providers and all that stuff as well. Um, but that is it. Sorry again for the delay, but thank you everyone for listening. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index, and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.